0: Welcome to Victory Fellowship's online podcast library. We hope you enjoy this message today. You know, sometimes I think that this is the easiest job in the world, and sometimes I think it's the hardest job in the world. Because I don't, I'm standing here right now, and I really don't even know what to say. And I feel like the Lord came into the room, and I don't want to mess, mess anything up and um and then i'm sitting here looking at people that are hurting and going through challenges in their life and um you know i just i want i just want jesus to show up you know i just want him to come and and do what only he can do you know i can't fix anything you know and and um i can't really i can't heal you i can't i can't counsel you properly you know that's not not, but i I can just open the word of god up and share with you and and, um i want to i want to share this morning about about that great day that we're celebrating, Palm Sunday. Uh, It was really the clashing of the two, of the two cultures that day. Jesus had three and a half year come through three and a half years of incredible ministry. The blind saw, the deaf heard, the lame leaped for joy, the lepers were cleansed, miracles had taken place, and He was coming into Jerusalem to die on purpose. That's what he was, that's why he was coming to Jerusalem. He knew why he was coming, it was his destiny, it was his purpose, it was, the, it was the fullness of time, it was the appointed time by the Father for the Son to lay down his life as a sacrifice for man's sin. It's why he came. And as he came into the, into the Jerusalem that, that Palm Sunday in celebration, in celebration of, of, of the, the victory that he had experienced over these last three and a half years, He was surrounded by his closest followers. He was surrounded by his apostles and his disciples. And today, you know, I'm going to take, this might, this message might not be historically exactly accurate because there's no way that it can be. I'm going to take some journalistic liberties this morning and just share with you what that day might have looked like. What might have taken place. And I think by by knowing a little bit about the Lord and knowing the way He works in people's lives, probably some of the things that were taking place. That He was surrounded by His tw- closest followers, and I have a feeling that close by were the testimonies, was a string of testimonies of miracle life changes that had taken place those last three and a half years. Surrounded as Jesus came on a donkey coming into Jerusalem, he was surrounded by what we could call the testimony of Jesus. It was, you know, it was like, what else could we, could, could I do? My life, my life stopped that jet day Jesus put His hand on my life. How could I continue my life the way it was before? He touched me and everything changed from that point on and, and I've, I'm, I'm, I'm following Him now. He's given me a new reason to live in this particular day, this day of confrontation, this day of celebration, this day of presentation of Christ. I'm going to be there with Him. I'm going to, I'm going to show up and I'm going to, I'm going to go and march the march into Jerusalem and show with my life what He has done for me. Amen. I want to read from John, John for a moment. John chapter 12, just um, four verses about Palm Sunday. It says, the next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. Now this crowd was an unusually large crowd. It was… It was the annual Passover celebration required by, by, by the law for Jews anywhere in the, in the region to be able to come to Jerusalem. They came three times a year. This was one of the times they were required to come. And they came. They came by the thousands. They came, it says they came because they had heard about Jesus, they came because they heard that, that He had performed miracles and it even says in John that they came because they had heard that recently He had raised Lazarus up from the dead. They wanted not only to see Jesus, they wanted to see with their own eyes this Lazarus that was once dead and He's now alive. And they had come like they had never come before. You know, it's, it's, it, to, to, to us we see the population in New Orleans double every year at Mardi Gras time. People come from all over the world for Mardi Gras. And the the city swells with its population. Well that's exactly what took place at Jerusalem for Passover. The the city swelled in its population from a city of maybe a hundred or a hundred and fifty thousand, it swelled to over a million people at Passover time. They came from everywhere and it was — streets were filled with celebration and anticipation and just for the hope that they might see Jesus coming down the street. And that's what was taking place. The large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet Him crying out, Hosanna! Hosanna! Why don't you just try that for a minute? Hosanna. Cry out Hosanna. Try it again. Hosanna! 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 You know what it means? It means, save now. That's what Hosanna means. It says salvation now. Save now. Messiah, save now. Messiah has come. Save now. Hosanna to the King. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. The King of Israel, Hosanna. The King of Israel has come. The promise has been fulfilled. All our dreams are being realized. Hosanna, Hosanna. The son of David has finally arrived. The promised one has finally arrived. He's going to drive the Romans out. Hosanna to the King of Israel. Save now. They were almost right. They were maybe 2,000 years off. They were waiting for a, a conqueror and not a savior. They were looking for one to drive the Romans out, not one to die on the cross. And, and they, were, they were shocked and stunned at the events that unfolded over the next few days. But for right now, on this day, it's a time to celebrate. And Jesus was right there with them celebrating Hosanna. And He was accepting their praise, accepting their worship as the Pharisees heard the commotion. They said, don't you hear what they're saying? Tell your disciples to be quiet. Tell them to shut up. Don't you hear what they're saying? He says, if they stop stop singing, even the rocks are going to start singing, is what He responded Even creation's going to start singing. If they stop, the rocks are going to sing because what they're saying is true. The son of David has arrived. Hosanna, Hosanna. He's come to Jerusalem. So he found a young donkey, which was a prophetic word out of Zechariah 9. Behold, your your king comes seated on a donkey, even the foal of a donkey. Young. He's found a young donkey and sat on it just as it was written. Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's Colts. So this incredible scene of, of, of the Messiah coming, surrounded by his closest followers and surrounded, surrounded by the miracles that had taken place, on display the testimony of Jesus, on display before the world, irrefutable evidence that God had intervened and Messiah had come. The signs and wonders. You know, at the end of the day, that's what my life is and what your life is. It's an irrefutable, unignorable hope of hopefully. The unignorable evidence that Christ is who He says He is. The testimony of Jesus. Every time I take a step and I walk in the ways of the Lord, it's the testimony of Jesus. His healing testimony, His holiness testimony is in my life and in your life. We are the evidence that the Word of God is true. We are the walking testimony of Jesus. And one of these, I'm sure that was the closest by his side, was this woman that, that was, that her life had been changed. Her name was, was Mary. We know her as, as some, some call her Mary of Bethany. Others said that she may have been Mary from Magdalene. The rumors were, of her past are not clear. But at this point in her life, the rumors didn't matter anymore. The secrets didn't matter. What she used to be didn't matter because the Savior had come and He was on His way to the cross. Just a few days before she had, she had testified publicly and the Bible says that she anointed His body for burial. She got it. She understood that He was going to die. She understood that He had come as a sacrifice for our sins. It says in in Song of Solomon, because of the savor of thy good ointments, thy name is ointment poured forth Therefore, do the virgins love you? She got it, and she began to pour out that day as they were gathered in that room in Simon the leper's house. She began to take her most precious her most precious possession to her name. She took out a vial of ointment that the Bible says was worth an annual wage, thirty thousand dollars worth of ointment. She began to take it out and begin to anoint his feet and anoint his head and anoint his hair and this says the room was filled was saturated with the fragrance of that aroma. It caused a confrontation. It erupted a, a discussion and an argument, a dissension if you will, amongst the disciples. And, and Judas began to challenge Jesus, why don't you stop this woman? She's wasting this, this $30,000 worth of ointment on you. And Jesus stopped. He stood and, and protected her and said, you, you don't understand what she's doing. She's anointing my body for burial, is what she said. It was what he said. He's an, she's anointing my body for burial. Leave her alone. What this woman is doing will be told. It'll be told to every generation. Her life will be a testimony in the Gospels for the centuries to come. What she's done and the revelation she had will be known. So she was there with Jesus that day. The fragrance of the aroma was still all over her and all over him. You can't get rid of $30,000 worth of perfume that easily. She was covered with it and he was covered with it And she was proudly walking beside her Savior as a testimony. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was in sin, but now my sins have been washed away. The rumors have been squelched. And I stand pure before my Savior, my Lord. Hallelujah. And close by, there was a, another, another, uh, the, actually her brother was walking close by. Remember her brother's name? Her brother's name was, somebody say it, Lazarus. Lazarus. Oh, Lazarus, he was close by. And this is, this is what, what Jesus said as He approached Lazarus's funeral tomb. To, Lazarus had had a funeral just a few weeks before. They'd had a funeral for Lazarus. But the funeral, I guess it didn't take because four days later he came up out of the tomb. It says about Jesus said to to Martha and Mary, He said, as he was standing outside of the tomb with the dead body still in it. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Well, the priests hated Lazarus as much as they hated Jesus. It says in John that they came to kill Lazarus. That's one of the reasons that they came. They wanted to get rid of him. He was, he was, he was evidence that Christ was who he says he was. He was evidence of the resurrection that they preached against. The Sanhedrin, the Sadducees didn't even believe in a resurrection. But but here was one who had been dead and he was alive. And they couldn't wipe the smile off of his face. No matter what they told him. No matter what they threatened him with. They couldn't get the smile off of Lazarus' face. Lazarus wouldn't stop. He was dancing. He was singing. He was leading the procession as they waved the palm trees. Hosanna! Every time they'd say Hosanna, Lazarus would dance a little higher. Resurrection life. Resurrection power. The testimony of Jesus. Yeah. So this, these were irrefutable evidences. One had been a, a sinner, a woman of the night, who is now a woman of God, clothed with the purity of Christ. And now one who had been dead in the dark recesses of the grave, was alive, shouting, singing, celebrating, laughing, and dancing. I was dead, but I'm not dead anymore. I'm alive forevermore. The testimony of Jesus. Now, you know, if you, if you looked a little closer, there were some others in the crowd I'm certain they must have been there. I would have been there if I was one of them. Think of the guy who Jesus had left on the other side of the lake a couple years earlier. He was the Godering demoniac, a man who had been chained. He'd been chained and left in the cemetery to die. He was a slave, tormented by demons, until Jesus came and came into that cemetery and drove the demons out of his life. And Jesus left him in that region. He spent the next months of his life going through Decapolis, the region of the 10 cities, preaching and testifying to the power of Jesus Christ. But when he heard of this great celebration, I'm certain he made his way over to Jerusalem. I've got to be part of this testimony service. I've got to be on display and support him and show I was dead. I was dead in my sins. I was locked up and a prisoner to my past until Jesus came and He drove the darkness out of my soul. He drove the sin out of my soul. He not only washed me clean, He broke the chains that had chained my life from the day I was born. This is what it, Jesus, from the words of Jesus, Luke four eighteen, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. One of those captives was this gathering demoniac. One of these captives was you, and one of these captives was me. I was a prisoner. I was a prisoner to my own sins. I was a prisoner to my own lusts. I was a prisoner to my own stupid acts. I was a, a prisoner to alcohol and drugs until Christ came and spoke His Word into my life and the torment left my soul. He would not only wash me clean, He'd snap the chains that held me in captivity and let me go free. How can I keep my mouth shut? How can I stay quiet? How can I not tell somebody? How can I not tell somebody what's happened to me? I've got to join in to that, with that band, that dancing throng, marching into Jerusalem, no matter where it leads, no matter what it costs me, no matter what people say, no matter the resistance. I was dead. I was dead. I was chained to that to that cemetery stone, that gravestone. I was chained to it until he came looking for me. He came to that cemetery on purpose. He came into that graveyard looking for me and he found me and he brought me out. Hallelujah. <laughs> yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. You know, Jesus' steps, in the steps of His life were marked, and they were important. They were calculated. And on, his, on the road to Calvary, He had one last stop He needed to make just before, just a few days before, before He got to Jerusalem, before this great day. He had to go through, He had to go through Jericho, one of His last stops. And just as He was going out of town... He found someone on the outside of town that had never been able to work a day in his life because he was born blind. He could never see. His name was Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus. He had lived in a state of darkness all of his life. All of his life he had been in darkness. It says in John eight twelve, Jesus spoke again to them and said, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life." So this Bartimaeus was there crying. He was on the side of the road shaking his tin cup when he heard the commotion. Jesus had set his face. He was headed through Jericho on his way to Jerusalem for this confrontation on Palm Sunday. And as as Zacchaeus heard the commotion, he began to to realize who it was. I've heard of this guy. I've heard of the testimony of Jesus. And he began to scream the top of his lungs with everything in his sight of him. He began to cry out, son of David, son of David, son of David, Messiah, Hosanna, save now. Don't forget me when you come into your kingdom. He found himself standing in front of Jesus suddenly light flooded into his being. He'd never seen before. He never even knew what light was, but his eyes were open and light flooded into his being. He left his, he left his garment. He got up and it says in the gospel of Mark, it says he began to follow Jesus down the road. What else could he do? I'm done with Jericho. I'm done with darkness. I'm done with this old life. I'm done with compromise. I'm following Jesus. And he found himself on the road in Jerusalem with Mary and Lazarus and blind and, 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 and uh, whoever else, whoever else it was, the gathering demoniac. He found himself on that road walking with them on his way. couple last, I want a couple more faces in the crowd stand out to me. One was the, one of the first miracles. Actually, the first miracle in Matthew that we see is in Matthew 8. It says there was a leper. He was in this, he, he came to hear Jesus preach. A leper came. A leper. That was, in Jesus' day, to be a leper was a death sentence. It was, it was incurable in those days. There was no, no treatment for it. It was as if they had been diagnosed with, with HIV. That's the way it was treated. It was treated as, as, as unclean incurable, and something you had to stay away from. Stay away from people. They were outcasts from society. And this leper had heard about Jesus. He came and worshipped him. He came and worshipped him, and he said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. This happened at the beginning of the ministry of Jesus. You know, if I know anything, I am certain that this leper told his story hundreds of times over the next three years. People kept hearing about him and coming to him and asking about Jesus and asking about his story and asking what he felt and what he experienced. And he was, all he was, he would tell him is I was, I was cleansed. His words cleansed me. I felt clean on the inside and clean on the outside. Not only that I was not ashamed of my life anymore, I looked at my body and the, the sores began to be healed. I was cleansed on the inside. I was healed on the outsides. And I've given Him my life. I've given Him my life. I'm going to follow Him down the road. I'm going to join that happy throng. I'm going to celebrate on the road to Jerusalem. I'm going to dance with Him. Even if He's rejected, regardless of where this road leads me, I'm with Him and I'm going to follow Him to the ends. I've been cleansed by His blood. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now there's, there's, um, this, you know, there's the Samaritan woman. Of course, she had to make her way there. She was from... She was from Samaria. She had, never, she had never considered going to Jerusalem until this time. She was, she was an outcast as well. Samaritans weren't welcome amongst the Jews, but she wouldn't miss this day for her life. She came and she made the journey she had never made before. She went to a place she had never been before because she would have experienced something she had never experienced before. I heard the words of a man that changed my life. She remembered when he met her outside of that, outside of Sychar in Samaria, when he began to speak to her and prophesy over her about her life. He told me everything about me. He told me I'd had five husbands. He told me the man I was living with wasn't my husband. And he told me that he had water to give. If I drink this water, then my soul would be satisfied. And I drank from his cup and my thirst was quenched and my life has been changed. What else can I do? I'm going to follow Him down the roads. I'm going to drink from His cup. I'm going to follow Jesus. I want His testimony to be told all throughout Samaria, all throughout Judea. I want His testimony to be told in the streets of Jerusalem. I was lost, and now I'm found. I was thirsty, and now my thirst has been quenched. Thank you, Lord. And then there was one unusual character that stood out really one guy that you couldn't miss this guy he was he was a roman centurion in his full garb he had come to christ a number of years ago his one of the men in his house was sick and he came to jesus and he said to jesus i know you can't come to my house i'm a gentile but if you'll just say the word my servant will be healed and Jesus turned to the crowd that was around around that that gathering that day, and he said, "I haven't seen faith like this in all of Jerusalem today. Salvation has come to your house." And he went home, and that 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 young boy was healed. But this was this was a a, a prophetic event. This Roman centurion was the first fruits. He represented what was going to take place after Calvary, after the resurrection, after the day of Pentecost. This wasn't going to stay in Jerusalem. This message was going to the ends of the, of the earth, and this Roman centurion was the first fruits. This was not just a, a Jewish faith. This was the faith that was going to shock the nations, that every people from every tribe, from every tongue. His testimony is reverberating today. His testimony is reverberating today in all the dark nations of the earth. The places that have been locked off to the gospel. Places that have been colds and hard, The places behind the iron curtain. The places behind the bamboo curtain. The places that are in the lands of Muhammad and the lands of Islam. In that land the light will dawn in these latter days. And the prophecy. The prophecy of this Roman centurion that in the last days God says he pour out His Spirit on all mankind, my sons and my daughters. Oh, this is not for just any nationality. This is for all human beings. He's, this is the prophecy out of Isaiah. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness and will hold your hands. And I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people as a light to the Gentiles. So this Roman centurion was a profo- prophetic sign. But there's one last person that we need to notice. If you don't look carefully, you'd never even notice that he was there because he was, he was not dressed like a Roman centurion. He wasn't tall. He wasn't sitting on a horse. He really, really didn't have much to offer. He was just, he was just a little boy. He was, he was God's little boy. Martin Luther says... God's little boy is in every crowd. He always has his little boy. Someone that's willing to lay down everything to follow Jesus. Somebody without much talent, somebody without much money, somebody without much training, but he's willing to take what he is and what he isn't and put it all on the line. This was Andrew's friend. This was a little boy that had a lunch when Jesus fed the multitudes that day reminds me of the Scripture that Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. This little boy represents me and represents you. I want to be part of that crowd. I want to be part of the, the joyful throng that celebrates. I want to have the testimony of Jesus written on my forehead. I want my life to testify. I want my actions and my words and, yes, my deeds to testify that Christ is real. I want to offer him my first fruits. I want to, I want to offer him my, my worship. I want to offer him my, my talents and my, my abilities and my resources. I want to be God's little boy. I want him to use me in these last days, regardless of where it takes me, regardless of what happens. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to stare down hell if I have to and say, Lord, wherever you take me, I'll follow you, Lord. Because at the end of the day, it's not by might and it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. God has a plan in these last days. Oh, he doesn't need much. He just needs somebody's lunch, that's all he needs. He doesn't need a lot, he just needs everything that you have. You might not have much, but it'll be enough. You might not have much talent, like Kathryn Kuhlman always said. She says, I was born without talent, she said, but I gave him what I had. It wasn't much. I gave him what I had, and he came and worked through my life. You might not have much, this little boy didn't have much, but he offered what he had. It doesn't matter how big your bank account is. It doesn't matter how talented you are. What it matters is how big is your heart, and how far are you willing to go? Are you willing to let him take you? Are you willing to let Him take your lunch and multiply it and multiply it and trust that there'll be enough for you at the end of the day? You might eat last, but you're going to eat. He'll multiply and He'll multiply and He'll multiply and He'll multiply and He'll multiply. And And the gospel will penetrate our society. Yes, so just a few days later, there was a crucifixion. There was a death, there was a resurrection. They weren't looking for that, that's not what they had, but you know, we don't have to have it all figured out. Our prophetic calendar doesn't have to be exactly right, theirs surely wasn't. You don't have to know what tomorrow holds. You don't have to know whether it's going to be pre-trip, post-trip, pre-millennial, post-millennial, five moons, six moons, or four moons. It doesn't really matter at the end of the day. What really matters, what really matters is I'm going out on the first load. That's what matters. And I am determined, with your help, to do as much damage as possible until that day. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, for God's boys and girls sitting here, Lord. Not much talent, but a lot of hearts. Jesus, not much talent, but a lot of hearts. Jesus, is it possible you could use someone like us in these last days? Is it possible you could do it again? Lord Jesus, is it possible you could shake the nations again before you come? Is it possible, Lord God, that you'll send another wave of missionaries into all nations? Is it possible you'll raise up other pastors and preachers and apostles and prophets? Oh, in these last days, is it possible? I believe it is. I believe it is. Thanks for listening. Check out our website at www.victoryfellowship.net for service times and for more information.